Hello and welcome to Adventures of a Teaching Artist. I'm your host, Madeline. Hello, I am so glad that you're here with me today. I'd like to formally introduce myself. I'm Madeline, also known as Maddie. I am currently a junior at the University of Denver studying theater. Uh, more recently, however, I've been considering adding either a sociology or criminology double major or maybe a minor. I really don't know what's going on in that part of my life, um, but we'll figure it out. Uh, right now, it is summer, so I'm working at the YMCA with some elementary students. During the school year, I actually work with a high school drama club, um, and we get to put on super fun shows and collaborate, and I, I love and I miss it so very much. And at the moment, I'm actually interning with Mirror Image Arts, which is a nonprofit in Denver. Um, and it's focused on disrupting the school-to-prison pipeline. So, they also work with kids. Needless to say, I love working with children and young people. I, I find it so rewarding, and I just absolutely love their enthusiasm and their joy for life. Uh, their ambition is remarkable, and... I just love their general curiosity for the things around them, um, and honestly, their courage and their willingness to play is kind of what encouraged me to actually start this podcast. Um, I thought, if they can do whatever they want, why can't I? So that's how we got here, um... I just absolutely love young people's daringness to try new things, and I thought I would take that on myself. So what you're listening to right now is a little side project of mine that I've been daydreaming about for a while, um, and it feels like the world has finally come together to make it happen. So here we are. figured since this is the first episode of a brand new podcast um we'll kind of dive into the meaning of the name behind adventures of a teaching artist and we'll also look at um, imposter syndrome within theater and the arts and then we'll also uh, talk about what it means to be a teaching artist because it's not a super common thing i've come to find at least outside of like theater and the artistic world um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, let's get learning. So I want to start off with a story and I want you to close your eyes. Your eyelids are pretty dark. Um, now imagine that you are in darkness behind like 30 foot curtains you're at the backstage of a performance. There's no lights. Your heart is racing. Um, someone whispers to you backstage, an adult you can't quite remember because you were literally seven. 
and you shimmy in your costume, which is a crayon. You're in the wings, which is a spot backstage where you can kind of see the stage and the audience, but they can't actually see you. And you know your line is coming. Your cue is coming. You've literally rehearsed this a thousand times. It's literally one line. And you repeat it over and over in your head as you wait, and you count down the seconds, and beads of sweat are racing down your face. Then suddenly, your best friend, who's also a crayon, is tugging on your hand, and someone else is pushing the both of you on stage. Then, you're there. You're on stage. The lights are blinding. You can kind of see the audience, but you don't need to see them to know that they're watching you and someone says their line, then there's silence as you stare out, trying to see the faces in the crowd. It's your line, your crayon best friend whispers as if they're a ventriloquist, their lips hardly moving, but you're frozen. You are seven, you don't know what's going on, you don't even say your line, and then the scene just moves on, and it happens so quickly. That is my first ever experience with stage fright and it's also the moment i should have known that i wanted to do theater forever the play was called adventures of a comic book artist and it was actually a musical I don't remember the music at all, so don't even try to ask me what kinds of songs there were. Um, but <laughs> my mom actually came across this script recently, um, and I played, like, kid number 13 out of 15 kids. Um, so it, it's really a wonder why casting agents weren't just knocking on my door 24-7. Uh, anyways... <laughs> The books and lyrics were written by Pat Liderson, and the music composition was done by Wendy Wolf. Um, so, Adventures of a Comic Book Artist is a satirical piece um, based off the comic book genre. And the basic idea is that this artist wants their comics to be published, but something horribly wrong happens, and all of his heroes and villains are now out in the real world, so they have to find a way to get every character back in the comic book world um, before like, there's international doom, basically. So for a seven-year-old, this idea was epic. I remember auditioning um, and the rehearsals and also that truly embarrassing moment on stage, but I literally loved everything about it. I loved the process of creating theater and getting to know other kids and collaborating with adults because you normally don't have that in like the school environment or setting. So it was one of these like truly eye-opening experiences to the potential that art has to create community. And as I was thinking of a name for this podcast, I was trying to think of something that I could get behind that was meaningful to me. Um, and this musical and this specific moment kept coming back to me over and over and over again and that's literally when I knew um, that the name had to be Adventures of a Teaching Artist. I couldn't imagine this being anything else. 
to Adventures of a Teaching Artist was so much easier than accepting myself as an artist. Um, While I loved crafting and building when I was growing up, I never considered those things to be artistic. Um, I loved sculpting and um, writing, but I, I never really thought of those as art forms, even though they are. Uh, To me, an artist was someone who knew how to draw and how to paint, um, and that was basically it, plain and simple. I really had no other understanding of what an artist did. Um, And even throughout high school, I threw away the idea of me ever being considered an artist because I never really learned or thought of myself as someone who could paint or draw well, and so I was like, I'm not an artist, so that's it. Um, and it took basically until I was 19 to recognize all of these different art forms that are out in the world and to credit the people in those fields as artists. So for a scholarship that I didn't win, I wrote about the experience of finding myself as an artist, um, and I wanted to share a short excerpt from that. So here it is. When I look in the mirror, I am troubled. Not because of the way my hair looks after getting out of the shower. Not because of the day-old mascara running down my cheeks. Not because of the pimple that's peeking out from beneath my skin. Not because of the redness of my eyes or the purple, almost black bags that hang below them. No, when I look in the mirror, I am troubled because I don't see myself as an artist. And so I have been wondering for a while now, why is it I didn't feel like an artist? And why is it that even sometimes now I don't feel like an artist, even though I have accepted myself as being one? And I think that those feelings can be best described by the term imposter syndrome. So according to Oxford languages, imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. One phrase the Harvard Business Review uses to capture imposter syndrome is I feel like a fake. And that's exactly how I was feeling, even when I was seven, and even sometimes now. So, I was looking around at all of these other self-proclaimed artists in my life, and I was comparing myself to them, and I was even doing it when I was seven in a musical, a little musical by kids, for kids. I was judging myself and basing my own self-worth on other people and what they could achieve. And in high school, I was looking at my best friend and I was saying that I would never be as good as them because they were a real artist, they were a real performer, they were a real actress. And even in my first quarter at DU, I was comparing my work to that of my classmates and it it really led me to dislike almost everything that I made or created. And like, sure, there were some things that I actually enjoyed and liked, And I was decently proud of them, but almost everything I did, I felt like didn't compare to what everyone else was doing. 
in that artistic space and I felt like I was the odd one out and then someone in class one day spoke about how they feel the same about an assignment um, that we all had done and they said that they didn't like it and that they changed it because they saw everyone else's and thought that theirs wasn't good enough and that was when I realized I wasn't alone and that my feelings of being not good enough were normal. And I'm wondering if you've had any of these experiences with imposter syndrome and how, how, how have you felt inadequate or as if you didn't deserve what you have? And I think that this idea of imposter syndrome isn't only in art. In fact, it's not. It appears everywhere in our lives where we feel like um, we worked hard for something yet we still don't deserve it and that someone else deserves it and like we are a fake and we like we were just chosen to fit a quota or whatever. But I think what we need to do is really take a step back and recognize that we wouldn't be in the positions we are without someone believing in us and without um, someone else recognizing our worth. Going back to the Harvard Business Review article that I mentioned earlier, um, they offer a couple of ideas as to how to mitigate the negative effects of imposter syndrome, and those include recognizing imposter feelings when they emerge, rewriting your mental programs, talking about your feelings, considering the context, reframing failure as a learning opportunity, being kind to yourself, and seeking support, and also visualizing your success. I think that all of these can be super helpful, and I honestly really resonate with um, talking about your feelings and being kind to yourself. I think the more grace you offer yourself and your abilities um, helps you really recognize the true power within you as a person and a being um, and the work that you produce as as this being, as this person who's completely capable of all things you put your mind to. One of my favorite sayings is that like if you wouldn't say it to your best friend, why would you say it to yourself? Um, I think that phrase in itself helps me understand that I need to be a little bit more kind to myself, um, especially the work that I do, because I put so much time and energy into my craft and my art, and it's something to value and be proud of, and why not be kind to that extension of my own self? And I think that can go for anyone. It doesn't have to be if you're an artist or not. I think as long as you are giving grace to yourself and what you put out into the world, I think that's super important and will make you feel less like you don't deserve it, if that makes sense. You will feel more empowered in what you are doing. I'm going to be linking the Harvard Business um, article that I've been using so you can go and look at that for yourself um, because I uh, didn't want to copy it word for word. I just kind of added on where I felt like it. So if you want to consult the actual text, um, feel free to do that by checking out the blog. 
Before I considered myself an artist, I wholeheartedly believed that I was a teacher or someone who liked to share knowledge with others. That's how I define teaching anyways. Um, So after recognizing that I too am an artist, I realized that there was this cross-section between this type of work, which is teaching artistry. artists are practicing professional artists or designers with complementary skills of an educator who can effectively engage with a wide range of people in learning experiences in and through the arts, as according to Linda Monique Isenberg, who is the artist and educator in charge of the teaching artist minor at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Um, I'm so super stoked that I was able to find Linda and her work, and I can't wait to look more into it throughout this podcast and my own personal research. But in my own experience, I've used art to help teach traditional learning outcomes, including reading and literary understanding. I typically use educational tools to teach artistry, such as acting, design, and stage management, um, all of which are things I, I too am actively learning while in college. Um, so I'm at this really unique point in my life where I'm able to learn alongside the youth I work with. I'm able to adapt activities I engage with in my playwriting, acting, costume design, and other theater classes to fit with the high school drama club that I work with. And so I apply the readings um, that I do in class and out of class to fit the spaces that I'm a part of. And that's not just for drama-related learning. Um, I've also utilized theater thinking at the YMCA um, and with a middle school I previously volunteered at, which is just basically like asking questions and having students act out feelings and um, pretending to be other people. Not only does it help build empathy, um, but they also have a super fun time. Teaching artistry and being a teaching artist looks I think completely different from person to person, and it can feel different too. So the art concentration can differ from performative to visual to experiential to musical, and teaching artists can have a different approach to teaching or education. But literally the one constant is that art and education mix, and I think that's the most exciting part about all of this. Throughout this podcast series, I'll be speaking from and reflecting on my experiences in learning and creative spaces. I'll be performing and sharing research on items related to teaching artistry with you, and I'll be interacting with Broadway and theater news as we navigate this time of uncertainty. And additionally, I'll offer my moments of failure, so hopefully others can also learn from my mistakes and mess-ups. Ultimately, I think we're all teachers or artists in our everyday life, and I'm hoping this can open your eyes to how you see yourself in the mirror. Thank you for joining me for episode one of Adventures of a Teaching Artist. 
for additional thoughts and resources and the Harvard Business article that I mentioned, please check out my blog, also called Adventures of a Teaching Artist. And until next time, cheers! Adventures of a Teaching Artist is created with the help of Ben Schwartz, our musical artist, and Ray Wolf, our graphic designer. Thank you both so much for your art.